The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day when Jesus saved my soul, when His blessed Holy Spirit came and took control. I trusted in His precious blood, my sin to atone, and I started singing, Take your Bibles to John chapter 21. This is a a classic passage. I have preached on the first part of this a number of times through the years. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? I don't know any preacher that hasn't over and over and over dealt with this passage um, in John 21, starting at verse 15. But actually the the text verse, and I'll work my way down to it because I want to give you a contextual setting. Because sometimes a verse can be taken out of context, and a text without a context is a pretext, has been said. And so we want to show you where verse 19, how, how it kind of comes up. Because verse 15, 16, 17 need to be, 18 need to be done before, and, and kind of show you. So let me read it first, and then just make some comments. So when, verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these. Now, let me stop as I read through this. Just kind of, you, you, I've done this every time I've gone through this passage. I never fail to do this. Uh, is when I read this, I have to stop and tell you what kind of love that is. There are four kinds of love in Greek. There's only really two appear in the Bible. Uh, the word agape, which is a, a love of giving. Agape, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. It's a love of giving. It is not a love of taking. It is a love of giving. Agape love is a love of giving uh, without receiving. It's not reciprocal. You give without receiving back necessarily. The other kind of love, most often, is, is a love phileo. It's a phileo love. Is a love it's a reciprocal love. It's a love you give and take, but we're not going to go a lot into that. But then eros, of course, is the human love. It's how we reproduce. And so, But eros is not really found in Scripture that I know of. Um, but so when, this love here, I want you to mark in your Bible. It's a good thing if it's not already marked there. But this word for Simon, son of Jonas, lovest. The word is agape love. It, it means will you self will you will you sacrifice yourself for me? Will you give of yourself for me? More than these, what were these? It was the fish they were eating. It was fishing. Peter was a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I know exactly what it means to be a fisherman. Fishing wants to be an obsession. Fishing wants to take everything. It wants to focus you to where that's all you think about during the day and what you eventually fulfill on the weekend. Fishing can be an obsession. Usually fishermen are fairly obsessed with it. They got clothes that talk about everything, just about like Harley riding. It can obsess you. And so... He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love. Now, in English, if you didn't know anything about the Greek, or there was no original Greek, you would say, because in English we have such poor, our word love has no differentiation. 
I mean, we know the various kinds of love, but we only have one word for it, love. But he says here the word phileo. He answers Jesus back. And Jesus says, you have agape love for me. You will sacrifice yourself for me. He says, yeah, Lord, I know that I phileo you. I respond. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. I respond. And he said, feed my lambs. And he said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, love us. He uses the word agape again. Will you give yourself sacrificially for me? And he said to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo thee. I respond, uh, but I necessarily give. He said to him, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, love us. Now, Jesus reduced his word to phileo, the word that Peter had been answering him with. He said, do you phileo or have the reciprocal kind of love for me. Peter was grieved. Grieved is big. He wasn't just a little sad. He was grieved because he said in him the third time, Lovest, the word there, phileo, thou me. He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I phileo thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou disgirdest thyself, walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt, stretch, uh, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying, and this is the text passage, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me, follow me. The title of the message tonight is, What Death Will You Glorify God With? This passage is a critical and classical passage. I'm glad that the Lord Jesus had it in there. It's helped me. And this, the Greek is very informative and helpful. A little bit of extra study there is a much more eye-opening. It's a very serious training and very serious uh, passage for Peter and for you and for me. Um, most of you know that this agape love is morally pure, physical self-sacrificing. It drives one to give up everything for someone else, something else. That's what agape love is. It is a love that a soldier demonstrates on the way to the beachhead. Uh, it is a love a mother often will demonstrate in giving herself or giving her life for her children, if I may say, and her husband, and every man said. That's right. It is a love that the father demonstrates in giving of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I like the passage, John 3, 16. It may be, it may be, in my opinion, it is at least the greatest passage in the whole New Testament. For God, the greatest lover, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever the greatest opportunity believeth the greatest simplicity, in him the greatest attraction, should not perish the greatest promise but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. It surely is the greatest verse I've ever come across. Peter answers back three times. I mentioned a much lesser love. It's a responsive love. It can be translated fond, fondness. He could have said, Lord, I'm fond of you. I have affection for you. I will respond to your love. But that does not go nearly as far. It's based on this mutual reciprocation. It's kind of you butter my bread, I butter yours. You help me, I'll help you. You be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. The stinger in the passage to me is when Jesus changes his 
and brings it down to Peter's. And then he's grieved in sadness and sorrow there and answers back, you know me and you know. I mean, you think about not long before that, Peter had denied him three times after swearing and making an oath and everything. Oh, now here's, if I was one of those disciples, I'd want to punch Peter. must have been a big guy. Because he said, though the rest of these deny you. I'd be like, what? The rest of these guys, these, these, these scumbags deny you. I won't. Boy, he's puffed up with pride. And he even challenged, shows you, how, how far will pride take you? Peter told Jesus he was wrong. He told Jesus, you're wrong about that. That's where pride will take you. Take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you uh, have you pay. Uh, I forgot the third one of that. I see, I see, uh, cost you more than you want to pay. That's it, that's it. That's what it'll do to you. Woo! Failures will rob you of your confidence in self. And that's a good thing. Peter was proclaimed the leader by Jesus. I mean, there's no place that I know that there's not a list as Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. I don't see, and I haven't seen, and still don't see what Jesus saw in Peter. But I don't see what he saw in Jacob either. And he just saw something in Peter that he liked, and he was going to make him the leader. He gave him the the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You open the gospel, it's open. He opened the gospel to the Jews. He opened the gospel to the half breed Samaritans. He opened the gospel to the Gentiles, and when he opened the Gentiles, it was open to everybody. Through Cornelius. Hmm. Man. Peter was used of God. He was not the first pope. God allows you to fall on your face in the mud. When you're trying to live your Christian life in self-energy. One of the first mistakes an early Christian will make in the faith is trying to live the Christian life in your self-energy. Oh, self-energy will take you a long way. Uh, Character will take you a long way. People would just based on self-energy and character have done great, great things. But you cannot. Live the Christian life on self-energy and character and please God. You cannot do it. Uh, and your, you, your willpower and, and your sheer force character, gutting it out, hanging in there, you're missing the point of what salvation is. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If for me to live is Christ and to die as gain. It's not for me to live as my will or my, my, my character or my willing to, willingness to suffer and I'll be able to do it. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's I am in Christ Jesus and he is in me and working his will out through me as I cooperate with him. Peter was going to do great things for God. Do you believe that? You know it. You know the history. Peter did great things for God. An uneducated, uncouth, couldn't hardly spell. He couldn't spell flat out. 
fishermen. God said, you're the one I'm going to work through. Why? My strength is made, what? In your weakness. Yeah. His past failures had cut his legs off, robbed him of any self-confidence. He had denied Jesus. He had sworn allegiance in front of his disciples, runs like a scared little child. How could he lead anybody? And Jesus said, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to lead them. He goes, do you love me? Do you have self-sacrifice, a a giving spirit towards me? I don't. Peter, do you have? No, I don't. Peter, do you have fondness for me? Yeah, I do. I'm grieved. You asked me three times. Oh, Jesus smoked him out, didn't he? Brought him out and says, Peter, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me in you. But not be your own strength, Peter. It's not going to be your in your force of will, Peter. It's not going to be your personal character or your personality or your a political ability to uh, do things correctly. It's not going to be your friendliness. It's going to be me. What would happen to Peter would surprise Peter. If Peter had known his life from that moment on, he would have been, why? You ain't, you got to be kidding me. I'm not going to do it. God had great vision for Peter, and he was going to do great things, but he did not visualize that. He did not have that vision. What God was going to do through him will surprise, uh, was going to surprise Peter, and it was not going to surprise God. And what God wants to do through you will surprise you, some of you young people, some of you young girls, young boys. God wants to do great and mighty things, which you know not. <clears throat> but he can't do a thing through you until your pride's dead. I'll do it because I, I heard that we had a missionary here years ago said, I've never failed in anything I've done. My spirit went bing, 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 bing. He said, I was in the military, first lieutenant. I did everything. I led, da, da. I was straight A's in military school, da, 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 da. And he went through his list of successes. And I went to Bible college after I got out of the military. And I was straight A's and, and you know, summa cum laude and, and all that fancy. And I was, I led, every, I'm a leader. I'm a natural leader and all this. And I'm going to go to Japan and I'm going to lead people to Jesus Christ because nobody's really doing anything over in Japan. I'm going to do something over in Japan. Two years later, he came here with a tail between his legs. Well, those Japanese whipped him into shape, brother. I'll tell you that. Nobody wants to get saved over there in Japan. I said, oh, yeah, they do. They're never going to get saved through you. Two years, he was humbled down to a little kitten. And that's what will happen to you, and, and that's what will happen to me if we try to live this Christian life in our flesh. Oh, you'll get humbled down to a little kitten before it's all over. You got to, brother, if you and God make a majority, but without God, there ain't no hope, amen. Humble yourself, the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 6, and a few other places. Humble yourself, under, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Right? He may exalt you. You okay, huh? Okay, I have to talk. Sorry. 
If you feel nauseous, please don't throw up on my seats. You say, they're not your seats. I know, but I, I feel like they are. I remember all the time, brand new. Brand new. I mean, this thing was brand new. And this, I kind of hovered over it a little bit, you know. And we got these seats are brand new and everything. And a missionary came with them, and he had a whole row of kids. You know how they do. They'll fill a row. They fill a row, and, and, and there was water. Water coming down the middle of one of the bottom of one of them seats. Right through the seat. Broke that thing in, boom. I mean, we were broke in after that, man. I mean, we broke in the auditorium right straight up. Anyway. God is looking tonight. He's looking for people who will give themselves up for him. They will relinquish their rights to everything. They will die to every expectation they've got. And we all have expectations. My wife Kathy is real expectation oriented. And we would have conflict. And, you know, I just couldn't put my finger on it. Surely it wasn't me. We would have conflict when we would get ready to go on vacation. We would have conflict. How many here had the big? I'm not going to ask you that. The biggest fights your life on vacation. But <clears throat> vacation is a dangerous time. So, but we would have conflict, and and I was I, I would sit back and I think, what is going on? What, part of it was expectation, unfulfilled expectations. You got all these expectations. You're going to go someplace. It's going to have. You're going to have great weather. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to get along. Eh? And you and and Brother Moon is is one of my favorite examples on this whole thing of vacation. Brother Moon saves his money all year long, gets his few dollars together, goes through Waldo, Florida, two o'clock in the morning. Woo 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 woo. One hundred eighty-four bucks plus the court cost, probably three hundred bucks. He hadn't even got to Greenville yet. Brother, my heart went out to you when that happened because I told my wife, you talk about dying to expectations. That's that, you, being, you just got gutted. <laughs> my brother and I, we loaded our boat, got everything up. Man, we worked for weeks getting that thing right. We're on the way down to the Keys. We're going through the Indian Reservation down here. We're talking, having a good time. All of a sudden, a cop pulls up right beside us. We pulled over. He says, I just about took my gun out. These are those Indians. Now, be careful, them Indian cops. He said, I just about took my gun out and shot your tires out. Now, brother, I said, man, don't do that. He said, you wouldn't stop. I said, we couldn't see you, couldn't hear you. He said, what do you mean you couldn't see us, couldn't hear us? I said, neither one of us can hardly hear. And we were chibber-jabbering, talking. And you just, he said, well, man, you didn't stop for the longest time. I was going to have to shoot your tires out. I didn't know that was legal. I mean, we have this big 27-foot boat on the back, you know. Where are we going? He pulls over, 400 So I think it was a $400 ticket. That started a vacation right out the way it Expectations, brother. You've got to die to your expectations. Are you going to go around this world so disappointed, so upset, so distressed, that you're, you're going to shorten your, your, first of all, you're going to spoil the ride. 
you're going to shorten your life. The doc will tell you that. Stress will shorten your life. Uh, be a giver of stress, not a receiver. That's the key right there. I'm going to tell you a third thing. This will help you. Take a vow of poverty. Take a vow of poverty. Just say, money, I don't have to have it. God wants to give me money, fine. If you don't want to give me money, fine. I'm going to be happy without money. Brother and sister in Christ, you chase that money bunny, and you'll find he's real fast. And what the money bunny will do is he'll sit in your lap and let you pet him a little bit. And then you'll have Black Tuesday. Jump out of your lap. Go on. We had 35 years worth of savings disappear in one day. Boom. And doesn't the Bible say that? Set not your affection on riches. They'll take wings and fly away. We sing fly away. Oh, Lord. We're not thinking about our money then, are we? We could have a depression. We could have a we could have some sort of of a conflict where another country comes in, or the homos could take over, or something could happen. And brother, everything we ever own would be confiscated. That's what happened to the first century Christians. I didn't see God stop it. They got everything they own confiscated by the government because you claim Jesus. He may do that to us. If you set your heart on things, you're going to lose. But if you take a vow of poverty. You're free. You're free. You're free. I told you, uh, I've been reading uh, the book Pursuit of God. Everybody ought to get it. Everybody ought to read it a few times. On the last chapter, it's the blessedness of owning nothing, possessing nothing. The blessedness of possessing nothing. Boys, it's absolutely so. So you take a vow of poverty. Peter was that guy. Peter was learning the hard way, maybe the only way he would learn, whatever. He was learning to do anything God wanted him to do, and he was learning it's all about God, not about Peter. The above is just the introduction. Now let's get into the message. Verse 19. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. So after he goes through all that with Peter, Peter being grieved and humbled and their memories of his failures, he said, someday they're going to take you where you don't want to go, and you're going to put your hands out. That was crucifixion upside down. Historically, we understand that he was crucified upside down. They put his hands out there where they didn't want him to go, and they crucified him, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And I got thinking about that. What death will you glorify God by? We're all going to die, amen? Unless the rapture happens right now, we're all going to die. Uh, not everyone dies physically for Jesus, but in essence, don't you really? In other words, I'm giving part of my life tonight. In essence, I'm dying a little more tonight for God. Every time you go and do something for God, you're giving your time. What is time? It's a measurement of death. Brother, is 70, I forgot how old you are, 77 years old, Tommy? That's a measurement of death, not life, really. And, and you're getting closer to the end. Not everyone will give their life specifically as a martyr. Of course not. But the word for witness is martios, which it means to be a martyr, as it were. When we witness to a point, we do die for Jesus. 
If you're still running this show, what can God do? You won't do what He wants you to do, that's for sure, because we naturally won't serve God unless he, He comes unnaturally and we give Him our lives and we die for Him. Because He said, Peter, they're going to carry you where you don't want to go naturally. You don't want to go naturally to this place, but you're going to go there because that's how you're going to glorify me. And God's going to take you to places that you're uncomfortable with. God's going to take you to places that you don't naturally want to go. But God's going to say, do this for me. This is what I want you to do. And in this, you're going to glorify me. Wow. God's ways are not our ways, amen? His dream for you is not your dream for you. I can just I can tell you straight up and down. If you do not give your dreams to him, you will never know his dreams for you. By the way, I've walked some of this path. I'm on the other side of a lot of this already. God took me where I wouldest not for sure. Firstly, started out, I got right with God at 18 years old. He said, go to Bob Jones University. I wouldest not do that. I want to go to a state university. Then he said after that, uh, I want you to change your major from business to Bible. I wouldest not be a Bible major. Then he said, he came, I, gave me a call after I graduated from school. We put up a fleece up there in Greenville. He answered the fleece. He, I got a phone call from Richard Anderson down here at Community Baptist Church said, I want you to come down and work with me as assistant pastor and as dean of my little Bible institute I got. I wouldest not do that, but I did. After that, about a period of about three years, this little group of people called me up the third Sunday they had met together and said, we'd like you to come down and preach for us and help us. And I got together with them. And the last thing I wanted to do was to start in a group of people, didn't even have a building, were out on a, on a screen porch in the heat of summer, and I wouldest not be in a church plant. But that's where God wanted me to be. And, that, and then add all the logistics to all of that. Over and over and over again, God has taken me where I wouldest not. But because I'm willing, and I've been willing to, like, by the grace of God, in some measure, die for Him, give myself for Him, have some agape love for Him, God's path for you, I will guarantee you, will involve something of dying to self. Always self-sacrifice. Always going where you wouldest not. Always scary ghosts of uncertainty will be there. Always the horror of the unknown. I don't like the unknown. Most people don't. You would like to know your future, or would you? Really, you wouldn't. But you think you would. If I knew my future, I'd know how to plan. God says, you don't get to know your future. You are on a minute-by-minute notice. And I want to tell you, anything can happen anytime. You were going home after church. You totaled your car the other day. Two Sundays ago, going home, you totaled your car. Look how he's in good shape still, I think. There's always risk. Peter, you, you have self sacrifice. No, I don't have self sacrifice in them, no. I just have reciprocal love. Well, he said, Peter, okay. 
He said, but they're going to take you somewhere where you don't want to go. They're going to spread your hands out. A place where you would have not. Peter, you're going to be bigger than what you think you are. Because Peter, you're going to be willing to die for me. And that was bigger than he probably ever dreamt of. You're going to be bigger. You're not going to run scared like you did because you're going to have the Holy Spirit of God in you and you're going to trust in me. And you know, you're just going to put one foot in front of the other by faith and by the grace of God, you're going to end well. Remember the conversation there in our passage in verse 19, the last two words. After he does all of this with Peter, he says two words. Real simple. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Folks, it's not real complicated. Follow Jesus. Follow his lead. You know what it is. Read the word. You know what it is. Follow his lead. Don't follow your lead. Follow him. Follow him means your eyes are on him. I like the song that says, Set your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And, and, yeah, that's right. You'll find yourself where God wants you to be if you'll follow him. I've, I've honestly tried to follow him since 18 years old. Perfect, no. Peter wasn't perfect by far. Nobody is. But he kept getting right, kept correcting, kept keeping short account. And, and Peter ended up one day being crucified for Jesus. That was exactly where God wanted him to be. I followed God's account, one a step at a time, one foot in front of the other, all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubts, all kinds of fears that want to do assail me, but I just believe there's a God. I just believe this. I believe there is a God, and it's Jesus Christ, and it's real, and he can do anything because he made everything. I just believe it. And then he led me to those various places, and here I am at 63 years old in the finest part of the whole country. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to go to Alaska either, and definitely did not ask God for Michigan. I probably did not have the faith to pastor in Michigan. I probably didn't. If he'd asked me to go to Michigan, I may have rebelled. He knew how weak I was. So he said, you go to Florida, and I thought, ooh, Florida, that's pretty good. I'll tell you one thing, had I known what I know about Alaska, Akola, Alaska wouldn't have been all that bad. An eternity with him, receiving your mansion, new occupation, all eternity serving him, uh, it, it won't, you, all the little bit of sacrifice we did, I am ashamed of myself when I think that I've sacrificed for God. I'm ashamed of myself when I think I've given up something for Jesus. I haven't given up anything, brother. He has replaced everything tenfold with better because he knows what you need more than you know what you need. You don't know what you need. You're, you're too young. I don't care if you're 100. You're too young. The God of all that is knows what you need, and he loves you, and he's going to. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have pain. Woo, you have suffering. But all that's what you need. All the gout I've had, all the migraines I've had, I needed them, or he wouldn't have given them to me. Guarantee you. I needed them. I used to tell my wife, I must be some bad egg, because he's really having to work me over. And she said, 
She must be a saint. I must be married to uh, close to a saint. Because she's had like nothing go wrong. Never been sick, no pain, heart except for me. And I mean, maybe being married to me is it. But brother, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's her suffering and her, her, her. Maybe she would go to heaven. She have this massive mansion on this little shack. And well, how'd she get all that? Oh, well, she's married to you for over 44 years. Well, what in the world? I thought it was good. We men, we don't know there's anything wrong. That's true. By what death will you glorify God? Our Heavenly Father, help us to understand what that means, what it is. Would you speak tonight through the blessed Holy Spirit? Would you work through your people that are willing to give them themselves for you? That this is not a game, this is not a social club, this isn't about um, a, a sociological interaction. This is about the saints' blood-bought people of God that have gotten together as an army to do the will of God and to fulfill the call of God in our lives. Help us to do it. Help us to serve you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and that you would help us to love our neighbors ourselves. May as we love our neighbor this week, uh, some of our neighbors get saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're gonna... All the praise belongs to Him who died on Calvary.